0: and welcome to the rv miles podcast your home for rv and camping news reviews travel guides and more i'm jason
1: and i'm abby and this is episode 29 of the rv miles podcast to get today's show notes head over to rvmiles.com episode 29 You can also follow RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I as we travel around still in New Mexico, you can find us over at OurWanderingFamily.com. And we are also on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest.
0: We are actually just scratching the surface of New Mexico. We've been in New Mexico for, what, two weeks now? Not even two weeks yet. We
1: just left two weeks ago today.
0: We spent the last week or so in the Roswell area, and that's going to be one of our main topics for today. We're going to talk about all the different cool things that we found for you to do when you visit the alien conspiracy (laughs) theory capital of the United States. We're also going to talk with Chef Hardcore. He's our resident chef at RV Miles and has our popular RV Epicure blog, and he's going to talk to us about some of the basics for cooking in an RV kitchen on the road.
1: We have a really busy show today. We do. So much to talk about.
0: We're coming to you from Brantley Lake State Park, just outside of Carlsbad right now. So we're going to talk about Carlsbad next week. But this is uh, this has been a, a really beautiful time here in New Mexico. It's, we're not far from where we were in Roswell, so it wasn't a long drive to get here.
1: Thank goodness. Uh, but
0: we're enjoying the weather. We're enjoying the wildlife. There are roadrunners everywhere. There was a
1: roadrunner on our car yesterday. Like, they are everywhere. They will get on anything. They're fantastic.
0: The night skies here, the daytime skies as well, but the night skies are just stellar. We broke out the telescope the other night and the binoculars, and we were checking out some of the constellations. We saw the Orion Nebula up close. That was really beautiful. And last night we got to see the SpaceX rocket, which launched in Florida. But over the Southwest, it made a correction after dark and the skies were so clear. Jack and I were outside. We were walking some trash to the dumpster and we saw this weird glowing thing in the sky, you know, and we're not far from Roswell. (laughs) So, you know, the alien conspiracy theories abound. But uh, we were we were wondering, there's also a missile test site not far from here at White Sands. And we thought maybe it was a missile test of some sort. And I was trying to find out what what kind of rocket launches there could have been. Because... I have never
1: heard Jason so enthusiastic. Oh, I he came. I ran, and yes. ran. You were like, come outside, come outside. And I was inside the bus with Ethan and Henry. And I'm like, you know, trying to throw shoes and stuff on. And he's. Jason's basically like, just leave it and get out here. And I just grabbed the kids and went out, had no idea. I have never seen the sky look like that. You could see we missed the boys and I, the younger boys and I missed the initial rocket boost and that flash of light that you guys saw. But the trail that it left and we could see a little bit of the rocket still moving through the sky. It was incredible.
0: What happened was it made a correction. So Jack and I were just seeing it sort of flying through the sky. It was just the the rocket being up there, and that that's enough. Just to be able, to, we saw this a rocket in the sky after it made its way around the Earth with our bare eyes. It's right? so incredible. And then the thing makes a correction, and it looked like on Star Wars or Star Trek when you see them like jump to light speed or to hyperspace, like it it just shot off and this fuel and zoomed, and there was a big cloud. Of glowing gases behind it. Oh, it was stunning.
1: Did you just say hyperspace? I did. Don't you mean light speed?
0: It's light speed in Star Trek and hyperspace in Star Wars. Well, it's both in Star Wars.
1: I feel like it's lights isn't it light speed in Star Wars?
0: And hyperspace.
1: Really? Yeah. Huh. I was just a, like in my mind I just you're in trouble. Well, you know what? In my mind, I just hear the line from Spaceballs where he's like, John, no. <laughs> no. light speed too slow. Like I hear Lord Helmet, yeah. you know, in my head. Yeah. And I assumed that that it's was. not
0: ludicrous speed.
1: No, but you know what? That up there probably looked like ludicrous looked speed like from ludicrous where you guys speed. were. Ludicrous speed, go. Oh,
0: man. It's- it was wonderful. It was amazing. I,
1: I, I don't mean, know if that's going to get in a
0: lifetime thing.
1: <laughs> I wish we had seen it, but the trail it left was still pretty yeah. phenomenal. And I've never seen anything like it. And I don't know that I will ever again.
0: All right. Well, we're going to talk more about Carlsbad and the Carlsbad area, Carlsbad Caverns next week on the the podcast. But this week, let's hit some of our news items that we have.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little Our Wandering Family news because we actually have a little we bit of do. news this week. So we did finally, after 16 months, finally. post a walkthrough of the bus that's up both on our YouTube channel, which is Our Wandering Family, and then also on our Facebook page. It's probably across all our social media at People this point. People have
0: been begging us I know, well, and begging so bad. us to do a walkthrough video, friends and family want to see the bus because normally when we're sort of back home like in my hometown we we usually don't Don't take take the bus bus with us we usually leave it at abby's parents um a lot of people don't get to see it so uh but uh but you can check that out if you're interested to see what we built and how we travel
1: yeah so check that out and then also we have a little feature from uh, roundtheworldfamilies.com did a little feature on our family under their educational section. They featured actually five families just kind of talking about what your educational style is on the road. We really identify as unschoolers and road schoolers. So if you want to go and read this article, it's really interesting. These are five families living all different kinds of lifestyles, not just traveling here in America, but traveling through the world. It's a really fascinating read to see how people educate their kids. And you can do that over at rtwfamilies.com. We'll link to it in the show notes, too.
0: And we'll drop the video in the show notes as well. We'll we'll embed that there.
1: Absolutely. So, but it was fun talking to round the world families and putting this together. So definitely go give it a read. They're really nice people.
0: In National Park Service news, Yellowstone National Park is now allowing you to pre-purchase digital entrance passes. If you don't have the annual America the Beautiful Pass or the Senior Pass or one of the other annual passes and you're going to Yellowstone, you can now pre-purchase your passes and not have to wait in line at the gates. And that's that can be a big wait. And they have sort of joined a list of parks that you can do this now. This all happened last year where some of these other parks joined this company called Your Pass Now, where you can go pre-purchase your entrance passes for now Yellowstone, Acadia, uh, Colorado National Monument, uh, Theodore Roosevelt National Park, Sequoia, King's Canyon, and a few others. So if you're interested in doing that, check that out. We also posted a story on the website about a new experience at the Neon Museum mm-hmm. in Las Vegas. This is a place I have been dying to go to for ages. I know you have. It's, if, if you're not aware, the Neon Museum is just a place where they take all of the old neon signs in Vegas and it's like a graveyard and they restore some of them and light them up but what they have done in this new experience is a lot of the signs that they have that they haven't restored yet or they can't restore they have created a experience using projection mapping and that's where they take video projectors and they sort of map the 3d shape of the sign and then they can point a video projector at it and it looks like the sign is lit up so they have a whole bunch of projectors and a whole bunch of signs, and they've created this big 3D experience where you see like video and music of some of the old Vegas stars flowing across these signs. And it's if we have video of it on the website, we'll link to uh, in the show notes as well. And it looks really beautiful. You I'm know really that was excited to see it.
1: You know that was not cheap.
0: No, no. There's just no
1: way. I mean, 3D project projection, not cheap.
0: Well, it was part of an art installation that they had done earlier last year that this this projection artist had created temporarily and they liked it so much they decided to hire this artist. His name's Craig Winslow to do a permanent sort of experience that you can go visit and use 3D sound speakers. Um, eighty thousand lumens of light, twenty climate foot controlled towers. Uh, it's really, really interesting, and uh, and it's fifteen dollars for locals, twenty three dollars for general admission. If you're not uh, a local Las Vegasanite. Las Vegasanite. Las <laughs> Las Vegas, Las Vegan,
1: Las Vegan, Las Vegan. I kind of really love the way that projections, and we have actually been watching sort of the evolution of. Projections as an art form in theater for a while now, for the last couple of years, I would say that it has really become a major design component to a lot of shows. But it's been really interesting to see, too, how it's sort of starting to branch out into other art forms and to become like a really legitimate art piece, like how you can take projections now and really create a visually stimulating piece of art And a lasting piece of art. And, you know, it's giving life to these new signs, which I think is really super cool. So we're going to need to get over to Vegas. Yeah, we're not
0: far. So we should be heading over there at some point.
1: Yeah, there's no reason why Mm -hmm. we can't go check this out.
0: Finally, in some sad news, a hiker has died after a fall in Zion National Park. The body of a female visitor was discovered in uh, Refrigerator Canyon along the West Rim Trail. Just before 5 p.m. on Monday, the law enforcement... uh, Agents were dispatched uh, to secure the scene and sent a search and rescue team in to pull out the body. And they they haven't identified the person or or what happened. Um, but there's a there's a fairly dangerous trail there that they expect that she fell off called Angel's Landing, and uh, it's it's sad. I mean,
1: it's an incredibly tragic story. And anytime we hear about someone injured or a loss of life inside the parks, it's a really really strong reminder of just how wild nature is. And we are guests, honored guests inside this hollow space, but you really have to respect it. And there are guidelines put into place. I just, it breaks my heart for the family of this woman. And I don't even know what to say other than it's just tragic. And it's a reminder that you really do need to hike in pairs and really make sure that where you're going is a trail that you can feel safe on and feel like you are at the level of that trail.
0: I think a lot of people think, you know, national parks are are public ran facilities and that you, you get a sort of level of comfort that you're not doing something dangerous because yeah. it's operated by the government and there's going to be railings and things like that. But these are these are like you said wild spaces, there's a lot of inherent danger involved in a lot of our national park service sites. So really know what you're getting into and being careful. I'm not saying this hiker didn't.
1: No, absolutely uh, not. Anything this could happen. Absolutely. This can happen to the most experienced hiker or climber. It is just part of the risk you take when you go out into an environment like that. And again, I mean, I just don't know what else to say other than it. Just anytime a story like this comes across, you know, our inbox, it just breaks my heart.
0: All right, let's take a break there and recoup over that sad news. When we come back, we'll have my interview with Chef Hardcore of RV Epicure, and we're going to talk about cooking in your RV.
1: Be right back.
0: Okay, let's do last week's brain teaser. Mm -hmm. I had this one and uh, I liked this one a lot.
1: Yes, you did. You also really like this particular piece of food too. So it went hand in hand.
0: It went like this. First, you throw away the outside. Then you cook the inside. And then you eat the outside. And then you throw away the inside. What am I?
1: Corn, which I got to tell you, makes sense when you told it to me. But for the life of me, I mean, I pondered that for a while after we recorded last week. And I know it was so silly that I I came up with an avocado, but like I couldn't get off the avocado. And then when you were like corn, I was like, oh, yeah, of course. That makes total sense.
0: You throw away the husk and you cook the cob. And you eat the outside of the cob and you throw away the inside.
1: But I was running down like all vegetables and fruits in my head and corn (laughs) never went through my brain. I was super frustrated with that one. It was a really good one. Yeah. But I was super frustrated.
0: (laughs) And the winner this week is Melanie Tompkins of Montana. who will receive an RV miles decal and we will have the new brain teaser for this week at the end of the show. So I had the pleasure earlier this week to sit down and have a one-on-one interview with Chef Hardcore. He's our resident chef at rvmiles.com. And he is going to talk to us about cooking in an RV and how you can travel and cook some really excellent meals. And we've tried out a few of his recipes and they're not he doesn't like to call them recipes. They're not really recipes. They're kind of guides for creating food.
1: I would completely agree with that. Yeah. So prepare to be hungry, everyone.
0: All right. Here we go. So our guest on the podcast today is Chef Hardcore. He's sort of our resident chef at RV Miles, and he has a column called RV Epicure that he's got about, what do you got, about five or six posts now?
2: I think I think we're about six, yeah.
0: Yeah. Six or seven. And, uh, and, and we're rolling these out about every two weeks, and it's all about cooking on the road. And I'd say... Chef, your philosophy from these posts so far seems to be to me that uh, A, anybody can learn to cook well if they use the right ingredients and take the time to, you know, to actually learn some techniques instead of just following a recipe. And that B, you can cook pretty much anything in an RV kitchen that you could elsewhere.
2: Yeah, that'd be a good way to sum it up. Uh, Definitely. I think most people either, they they don't, really learn how to cook they just learn how to follow directions when they grow up and never take it further from there or they want to try something new and they just end up following recipes and they don't ever get why you do it this way you know why you would mince this or chop that or or even what the different ingredients uh, how the flavors blend together this is something you and I discussed back in the beginning when I was talking about what kind of article we, we would do and, and I don't they're not really recipes I can give you a list of ingredients and some approximate Amounts and things like that, and then it's more of a uh, a story or a guideline of, of techniques that you're using to make this dish instead of how to make it exactly the way I make it. Because who cares how I make it?
0: The couple recipes that we've followed, we did the we did the pork stir fry. Actually, we just did the pork stir fry again last night, um, and it it actually was totally different than it was the last time because we sort of threw some new stuff in and 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 played around with it. And I think I really like. I really like that methodology because you're you're you don't have to worry about just doing something somebody else did. You can use the ingredients you have. You don't have to run out and buy that one little vegetable that your dish is missing. You can figure out what would be better in that
2: place. Sure. Like I said, it all depends on especially stir fry, it all depends on what you like. You know, me personally, I really don't like the little tiny mutated baby corns.
0: Oh, I don't either. Oh, I don't understand those.
2: Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, they don't even taste like anything, what you are know. They
0: for? Why so you so just I don't
2: put them in. <laughs> well, yeah, but then spicy corn is kind of weird in a stir fry. That's something yeah. I haven't done yet. Yeah. Maybe I should, you know. Um, but um oh, actually just gives me an idea for like a fire roasted corn a uh, stir fry. See? you can just bounce off of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, so it's, you can put in whatever you want or whatever is fresh and available. One of the things that we like about traveling in an RV in different parts of the country, especially during the spring and summer, You know, all the way from, let's just say, you know, May through August is you're in different parts of the country and different things are going to be available at that time from farmer's markets and roadside vegetable stands and um, even, you know, like smaller grocery stores that might have more local produce. And so you can adapt these recipes to include those kind of things.
0: Yeah, we're definitely noticing that right now. We're in we're in the southwest for the first time. We're in New Mexico and uh, and, you know, avocados are like 50 cents. You know, it, we, we, yeah. there are a lot of ingredients that just aren't available or aren't affordable up in the north this time of year. So we're kind of tailoring a lot of what we're cooking right now to that. So you you are a full-time RVer. and um, I am. I, I think you tend to think that you can cook pretty much anything in an RV. But there are some differences in cooking in an RV in, in terms of the amount of space you have to travel with stuff. So... Let's talk a minute about the kind of things that are essentials to have in an RV kitchen and the kind of stuff that you can avoid bringing along with you.
2: Okay. Um, well, to me, I'm a big cast iron fan. Um, and people who are full-time RVers or have spent their lives camping, so most of those are as well. Uh, and so I have, I have three different cast iron skillets. Uh, I've got a a Wagner nine, which is roughly about 10 and a quarter inches from like 1914. Wow. I've got one that's probably about eight inches and I've got another one that's about six. Um, So that gives me whatever, you know, sauteing small things I can do in in the small one. If I'm going to do something large like the chicken pot pie recipe that was done in my Wagner, um, because it can take all of that, all the ingredients, just do it in one in one dish. Uh, I also have a, uh, a large saute pan that i use for anything that i don't want to do in cast iron so it's basically like scrambled eggs um anything that's a little more delicate uh i have a i have a one quart pot and i have a three quart pot and those are my those are my main things that i use in the oven i have a little small square that's a nine and a quarter inch square uh, baking pan that i found actually at a goodwill and, those, and those, are the, those are the main things. I, I mean, I also have a crock pot, which I have only used to make my barbecued beans. I, I'm not an Instant Pot guy. I'm not a crock pot guy. Um, I like to actively cook instead of being a bystander. I also have a large stock pot just in case. Uh, you never know. I may end up in the, you know, the East Coast and grab some lobsters one day. I have a small grill for outside, and I also have an electric smoker. Nice. Um, so that's why well, I had five smokers before I went full time. That's the only one I could bring along. Though Here's a little teaser in the very near future, uh, hopefully this week, but the very near, sh- near future, I'll be doing a review of the Orion cooker. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Christian. He lives in Smyrna, Georgia, and he makes this thing called an Orion cooker, and it's it's kind of weird the way it looks. It kind of looks like a chimney with, a, with an extra base on it. It basically is a charcoal-fueled outdoor grill convection oven slash smoker. So it works sort of like a rocket stove, kind of the charcoal on top and bottom, and it creates convection. And it's in a tube, and it's, it's big enough to put like a twelve pound turkey in it. But you can cook a twelve pound turkey in an hour and a half. Um, but other than that, like yeah, I mean space is limited. I have a three burner propane stove in here. I've got a convection oven slash microwave. I don't have an actual oven or a traditional oven, um, and that's that's pretty much what I use. You know.
0: So you mentioned cast iron, and we ca- we carry a couple cast iron skillets as well. Cast iron is not something to be afraid of.
2: No, it's not. And actually, I forgot to mention my wok. I I, I have a nice cast iron wok that, yeah, um, which obviously isn't needed for stir fry among other things. But, yeah, cast iron, you know, it's not really that hard. There's all these myths out there about cast iron, how you have to treat it and how you have to season it and only clean it this way. And, you know, what? most of them are kind of a bunch of crap. Um, <laughs> I use... I use I use soap on mine uh, after I you know after I use it I use soap and hot water and I wash it out and I rinse it out really good and then I dry it on the stove um, and they turn out fine you know if they start getting a little dry you can rub a little oil on there some people don't even use that you can just use hot water and um, a really coarse salt like a kosher salt and you can use that in a paper towel to scour it clean and then you just rinse it out and then you dry it on the stove or Yeah, it's kind of whatever works for you. And there's there's purists out there that would you know cringe at the fact that somebody's got soap within five feet of a cast iron pan. But um,
0: if your cast iron is seasoned properly, there's no way the soap's taking it off unless you're soaking it for you know a long time in soap and water.
2: Correct. And that's where the problem comes in. Whereas if you put soap and water and then you forget about it and it sits in the sink with the soapy water in it, now you kind of almost have to start over.
0: And it's so nice because you can go from the the stove, to the oven, to the grill, to the to the fire. You can take a cast iron anywhere and you can cook with it, you know, right over your campfire. Those grills that nobody wants to ever touch that they have at the campgrounds, you know, you'd just drop your cast iron pan on that.
2: It doesn't care. Exactly. I mean, that's why I did that when we were camping at uh, Huntington Beach State Park, just in Myrtle's Inlet, just south of uh, uh, Myrtle Beach last year. And... I, I made uh, made some steaks, and I did a, a vegetable dish. Which was zucchini, yellow uh, zucchini, and yellow squash, and onions, and I even forget what else I had in there. Some peppers and stuff, whatever, and just mixed it all up with some butter, and put it in the cast iron, and threw it on the the fire pit that we had going already. Anyway, you know, and it turned out great. You know, as long as you, as long as you know what you're doing, as long as you have the experience in it. If you don't use it, and don't try things, and don't experiment with things, then you won't ever gain that experience using it and you'll be afraid of it.
0: So let's talk about ingredients. Are there specific ingredients, pantry necessities, like spices, oils, things that you would recommend traveling with?
2: Uh, yes, and a lot less than what I travel with, probably. <laughs> Extra virgin olive oil is always a good one to have. Uh, regular vegetable oil, so if you're doing more high heat stuff, like in the wok, I explained that you want to use like a vegetable oil, because EVO, the, the smoke point is just too low. Um, As far as spices go, my top three are garlic powder, cayenne, and onion powder. In fact, that's what's in my my all you need mix that I have. And uh, to me, it's just who doesn't like garlic? I mean, there's very few people that like garlic. Most people like garlic. And using uh, a powdered version, you know, there's there's no salt, so it's completely sodium free. So if you're worried about your sodium intake or anything like that, it's completely separate from your spices, which I really like because I'm not a huge salt guy. And in being a powdered form too, you can do a little, just do a little bit, get a little bit of flavor on it. It's not like you have to, you know, buy a clove, of gar- buy a, a bunch of garlic and peel off a clove and then smash it to peel off the skin. And then what do you do? Do you mince it? Do you, you know, it kind of takes all of that away and just makes it a lot easier. And it's, it's just nice and quick to sprinkle on.
0: Less well, susceptible to the temperature changes too. And you can, it lasts longer. You can be out on the road for a month and not have to worry yeah. about it. Yeah.
2: Sure, sure. And of course, the quality won't be as good. You know, the flavor won't be as pungent or as nice as using using fresh garlic. But you can start there. And if you're like making a garlic dish or something like that, uh, like last night I did a pork loin and I was experimenting with doing a garlic ginger uh, pork loin and a little a little marinade for it. And I used fresh ginger because I had it. Uh, but I used the, the powdered garlic because I wasn't quite, I didn't want to overpower the ginger and I wasn't quite sure how much I wanted to use yet. Cause it's my first time putting this thing together and, uh, and, it, and it works, it works pretty well, you know, I mean, you can do salt, pepper, garlic, onion, cayenne. Don't be afraid to look up a recipe if you haven't made something before, but, and, and, and use that as a guideline. You know, if you're looking at it going, well, oh, gee, I really like garlic. And it doesn't seem like, you know, one clove of garlic is enough for four people. I mean, my rule is one clove per person. Yeah, that's a minimum, you know. Um, no, it's, it's, to me, that's, that's the way it kind of works out for me, you know. So use, you can use it as a guideline, but don't be afraid to stray, stray away from it. You know, it says, well, use oregano. Well, you can also throw in a little thyme or rosemary in there for something, you know. Or, you know, well, that seems like a lot of sugar. Well, then don't use that much sugar. It's totally up to you on what you like. And don't be afraid to experiment and, and tailor a recipe to your tastes because you're making it for you.
0: So spices are really important to you, obviously, and uh, spices are a really great way to add a whole lot of flavor without adding a whole lot of bad stuff to food, a whole lot of you know, fat and calories. And you have an online spice store oh, sure. that, uh, that people I can do. go and buy some, uh, some cool different spice mixes. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, it's uh, www.hardcoresmokehouse.com. And that will be expanding as well. But right now, I have a shop there with, I think it's somewhere around a dozen different spice blends or things. Uh, I've got everything from my pork perfection rub, which is really good on all sorts of things besides pork, um, to my all you need, which is my all-purpose seasoning blend. I've got a taco blend, um, a Southwest meat mix blend, which you might like being down there in our, uh, New Mexico right now. Um, and I also do like smoked Himalayan pink salts. So there's kind of a different variety of things. People can, uh, can get a little sample pack, a uh, little five mil pouches, or they can order anything from seven ounces and up. And uh, and again, just because it says uh, pork affection on it doesn't mean you have to put it on pork.
0: All right, Chef Hardcore, thanks for joining us. We'll link to hardcoresmokehouse.com in the show notes, as well as the RV Epicure column on RV Miles and RV Epicure on Facebook and Instagram.
2: All right, thanks for having me. Take care, Jason.
0: We'll be right back. So, we spent a lovely week in wonderful Roswell, New Mexico last week, and we would love to talk to you about it. A Surprisingly, very pleasant experience. We didn't think we were going to have a bad time there, but we're not like alien people. We didn't go there for like the alien sites. And we also didn't really plan anything before heading there. We had no plans for what we were going to do other than hang out at a campground for a while and see some of the the (laughs) alien light posts and things like that. Yeah, we were just there
1: to hang out. I mean, it was kind of fun. We were flying by the seat of our pants a little bit. We didn't know what we were going to do. But in the end, Roswell ended up being a really great experience. The campground so far has been my favorite of the three New Mexico State campgrounds that we have stayed at. So I look forward. Actually, we have a few days between when we're done here in Carlsbad and before we have to be over to Oliver Lee that we're actually going to go back to uh, bottomless lakes for yeah, three nights. Bottomless
0: lakes state park. It is one of those state parks where it's more than just a campground. There is a lot to do there. Not a ton to do. It's not like no. I don't want, I don't want to make it sound like it's as epic as a national park. You know, some of some of some state parks are some state parks. You can mm-hmm. really spend a week and not see everything, but bottomless lakes, bottomless lakes state park is New Mexico's, oldest state park and it is created it's these little lakes they're more like ponds really yeah and there aren't really natural lakes in New Mexico or at least this part of New Mexico they're created from caves old caves that collapsed thousands of years ago and the the groundwater came up and filled them up and they're they're Very, very deep. You can go into the visitor center and they have sort of maps that show you how deep they are. They get to be almost 100 feet deep.
1: The one by our campground was the deepest one. And that was 90 feet, which was super cool. I mean, we were across from this lake in our campground. We had a really wonderful pull through site that had just these wonderful like canyon views across from the lake. It really offered some visual scenery also, I think offered a little bit of protection from the wind. Yeah, because here, here at it's Carlsbad, very windy in Carlsbad, yeah, we're just being we're up on
0: top of a hill, and it's it's a lot of wind.
1: It's a lot of wind. But,
0: but these, yeah, where these caves collapsed years ago, it's all this red rock that you get to see, and uh, and the lake right by the campground is sort of this public use area that has a beach. So in the warmer months, it wasn't quite warm enough for us to use the beach but in the warmer months you can use the beach and i imagine there's going to be a lot of people visiting the beach there as well they've got tons of picnic tables and shelters and nice little playground for the kids to play out it's just really well done and you know 14 bucks a night really for cheap. electric and water and if you have the New Mexico Parks state pass
1: a a night. I should mention too, the bathrooms are a little bit older. The bathhouse is a little bit older. The showers though were incredibly hot, which is always appreciated. And clean. And clean, but it is a little bit older bathhouse. However, They have Wi-Fi at this campground. Excellent
0: Wi-Fi.
1: Excellent Wi-Fi, which for us, because we work on the road, was such a treat to be able to work when we needed to work, not have to use our hotspot, not have to travel into town to go to a Starbucks or a Panera or what have you. Really fantastic Wi-Fi. We
0: have a Wi-Fi ranger antenna, and it can you know picks up the the different Wi-Fi signals around you, and this park. It could only hold like thirty RVs, but there were five different Wi-Fi networks to attach to. So they really knew what they were doing, and and had enough Wi-Fi that you could even watch video.
1: Man, you could stream your Netflix. <laughs> you could stream. You could watch <laughs> The Bachelor. Yes, you could. Now, of course, we talked about last week too that we had a little bit of a exciting time there in the campground with yeah, the, the law, um, but that was the most like. Crazy thing that happened the whole time we were there. Outside of that, beautiful campground, really nice camp host and well-maintained space. We absolutely recommend it. And I'm excited to go back. I'm excited to go back to the campground, but I'm also really excited to go back to that diner inside Roswell.
0: So Bottomless Lakes State Park is only about 15 minutes away from downtown Roswell. Yeah. And downtown Roswell on sort of Main Street. There is a strip of all these sort of restaurants and shops that have all their little alien theming on the outside.
1: Henry was so <laughs> cute in the car. He would just be like alien, alien, like all the little, you know, the typical green man figurines standing outside the shops. He just thought it was the coolest thing.
0: And we ate at two different places and In Roswell, one was the one Abby was just alluding to. We'll talk about in a second. We we had our first sort of New Mexico Mexican meal (laughs) in Roswell, and we were very disappointed.
1: Oh, I know. (laughs) Well, it's interesting, too, because this place didn't have a hard liquor license. They could serve beer and wine. So they were making margaritas that were wine based margaritas. And at first we were like, oh, OK, um, A sure. Margarita made hey, with
0: wine. Right.
1: When in Roswell, do as the Roswellians do. Right. So I ordered one. Man, that was good. It was
0: it was actually really it good. Was really good. It was unfortunately the best thing about, yeah. the, about the meal and the meal wasn't it wasn't terrible. No, it no. was just bland Mexican food, which you'd didn't really expect being 200 no. miles from the border but
1: no the chips and salsa rocked everybody really enjoyed those we probably ate way too many of those but the main entree like i had um just kind of like a combo plate that had a few different things on it and then you ordered this really interesting sort of almost like kind of like a cross between fajitas and like um a sizzling like steak kind of meal i don't know meal. what it, was. it had I, yeah, bacon in it, it it had did. But, but the,
0: I didn't taste the bacon. I didn't yeah. taste the meat. I didn't taste anything. No. I was bland. plan. Anyway, regardless, we had some excellent food at a place called Big D's Downtown Dive. Oh,
1: man, this place was so good. It's probably some of the best local food that I've had since we started traveling by we, far.
0: We've actually started a new series on the RV Miles website called Road Eats, and we've kicked it off with a review of this place. And uh, let's just run through a couple of the <laughs> yeah. different items that that they have. But at, I'm so hungry. I know. <laughs> I
1: don't want to talk about it. I'm going to be so hungry.
0: <laughs> For instance, they have burgers such as the breakfast burger, which is an onion bagel topped with fried egg, pecan smoked bacon, jalapeno jelly, aged cheddar. They have the tomahawk burger which is on Native American fry bread with red chili, aged cheddar, shredded iceberg, pico de gallo, and guacamole. That's just a start.
1: Yeah, but let's just talk about the two things that we ate, because we could be here all day reading the menu. We had a Monte Cristo, which, look, I'm not going to say that I know Monte Cristo's, but I will tell you I've served a few Monte Cristo's in my time. I did a stent when I was in college at Bennigan's. I don't know if anybody remembers Bennigan's. Uh, the Monte Cristo was on the menu. And I would tell you that thing was ordered all of the time. So if you've
0: never had a Monte Cristo. It's like a fried turkey and ham sandwich.
1: Yes. And it's got cheese in it. And it has a jam kind of preserve, usually a raspberry preserve that's served with it on the side and you dust it with powdered sugar. It had been probably a good decade since I have wanted to look at a Monte <laughs> Cristo. So for whatever reason, I saw it on the menu and I thought, oh, well, we have to try this. I'm so glad that I did. It was so good. It has renewed my love for the Monte Cristo. And we had that. And then we also tried, I can't remember the name of it.
0: The Big Kahuna Burger. Big Big Kahuna Kahuna Burger has a beef patty, teriyaki glazed pineapple, grilled pineapple, a slice of spam. Yes,
1: spam. (laughs) White
0: cheese, cilantro, and spicy jalapeno dressing. I was one of the best burgers I've ever had in my life.
1: Yeah. It kind of like the Monte Cristo was good. The burger like blew the Monte Cristo out of the water. You and I kind of, we shared these two items because we wanted to try them out. And so they, they were fantastic. The problem for us is that it was not food that our kids would eat. So we ended up getting McDonald's for them, (laughs) letting them eat McDonald's. And then Jason and I went and got this food from the diner and You know, just kind of be wary. If you have picky eaters, they do not offer a kid's menu. They do
0: have a regular plain burger. They do.
1: If you have burger eating kids, you could absolutely get away with this. Their fries, they have French fries that are pretty standard French fries as well. We weren't super hot on the fries, but dip them in ketchup and our kids probably would have been good to go.
0: And a lot of these diner type places, these sort of gourmet diner type places have really limited menus. This place actually had a lot of different things. And we do have the menu up on our website on this Road Eats article. And the best thing about this place, though, was the prices. The prices were not bad at all. Five to eight dollars for 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 their burgers and specialty entrees.
1: Yeah. When you're talking like craft diner places, that's a surprise to see like five to $8. Like it was, and it was well worth it. I would pay that again. I mean, obviously when we go back to Roswell, I've already said we're going there.
0: Abby did mention the McDonald's where we got yeah. the kids food. We actually went to that McDonald's a couple times. We did. It is, it is a mm-hmm. alien themed McDonald's and you're eating inside a giant spaceship. It is actually kind of a cool, fun thing To do with the kids. They do have a big play space inside that's in a spaceship.
1: Yeah. I mean, that was the draw. That's why we went, because it had an indoor play space that looked like you were flying in outer space. And the kids just thought that was really great. We grabbed some shakes. We let the kids burn off some energy and we moved on. But it's a really cute themed Roswell McDonald's.
0: Amongst all the alien stuff on Main Street, Roswell is sort of the main attraction that a lot of people go to. And it's called the International UFO Museum and Research Center.
1: The operative word there is international. (laughs) It is the international. I'm sorry if you have a UFO museum somewhere else in the world. You're not international. You're not this museum. They are international.
0: Shouldn't it be interstellar? (laughs) I
1: don't (laughs) They need you to do their PR for them, Jason. Anyway.
0: Okay, so this place.
1: <sighs> First off, let's just say right off the bat, you get exactly what you paid for. You it cost five dollars to get in.
0: It's very affordable. Yeah. Five dollars for adults. for adults and I think three dollars for kids, and then you don't pay for kids six and under.
1: Yeah. So Henry was in for free.
0: So it not not a not a big expense at all. No. But it is a big room. It's an old uh used to be a movie theater, it looks like. Uh, a big empty space with a bunch of pegboard walls <laughs> where they have newspaper <laughs> clippings and photos.
1: It is. If you like to read things.
0: There's a you, lot to read.
1: You will love this museum. Our kids, I would say it, we spent about 45 minutes there, which is very unusual for the uppersons to spend only like 30 to 45 minutes yeah. in the museum. But we did get to walk around the room and see everything. They have a little uh
0: They have a couple little displays, little they have a little fun little alien display. Little alien. Little, little, little alien, little, little, alien, <laughs> alien show. little fog comes out of a, a- <laughs> a a spacecraft and there's some aliens below it and you take pictures with yourself. You take a selfie.
1: We took some video. We should put the video up. It's super kitschy. I actually really wanted to read everything that was there. I was so (laughs) curious about it, but the kids just were not having it. I would say they really loved the little um, alien show and seeing the aliens, these big giant silver aliens breathing just like us. Henry's like, Oh look mom, they can breathe. And I was like, I know just like we breathe. And Then they also really loved the two things that had absolutely nothing to do with UFOs. The Star Wars display at the front of the building that just had a bunch of Star Wars toys in a case. And the photo booth.
0: Oh, our kids cannot pass up a photo booth. We never buy the photos in a photo booth. They just love to go inside those things and play in them. They do. They love to go
1: in there, close the curtain, and pretend like they are in some kind of like spaceship or blasting off somewhere. But that was basically we paid $13, $16 for the kids to check out a Star Wars display and go play in a photo booth.
0: (laughs) It's a place that is worth it to visit for an hour or so. It is not a place that I would be going out of my way to visit Roswell just just to do this. No,
1: when in Roswell, go to yeah. the International UFO yeah. Museum and Research Center. You have to go. They also had uh, some props yeah. from the Roswell movie from the 90s that had like Martin Sheen in it. <laughs> so, you know, if you're a big Martin Sheen fan from the 90s and that particular Roswell movie, this is your place. A little
0: gift shop. If, if you're going to, if you want to buy Roswell memorabilia, you want to get your little alien magnets and license plate frames, this is where you're going to do it.
1: But I would say like the highlight of this afternoon that we spent at the museum actually happened outside of the museum as we were leaving and we were on the sidewalk walking towards the parking lot and across the street, we see a man on a horse.
0: He just trotted across the street on his horse in his full cowboy gear. Uh, I mean, this was like, I'm not talking about just a guy wearing a cowboy hat and jeans. This was a rancher.
1: No, man was a cowboy. I mean,
0: he and he just started trotting down the sidewalk. <laughs> and uh, so and was great. like, have a nice day. It was so great. And our kids paid no attention to him whatsoever.
1: No, no they were probably still thinking about the photo booth inside the museum. Crazy. And kids. how they could get back in there.
0: So that's sort of the Roswell-y alien type stuff that we did. There's a few other things you can visit. But I think far and away, our favorite thing about Roswell, we did on the day before we left. And this is called the Bitter Lake Wildlife Refuge. It's a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service site. And we almost didn't do it.
1: I know. Why would we do that? We do. This is what happens to us. We have this thing that we see and we're like, oh, we should go and do that. And we kind of put it off and we're thinking, oh, it's just going to be like a little birdhouse or something, you know. And then we get there. And it is amazing and there's so much to see and do and we're out of time. We do this to ourselves all the time.
0: So this is a place where, well, at least while we were there, birds were migrating to. We saw tons and I mean thousands of sandhill cranes, white geese, uh, all different types of ducks. Some other birds that we don't know what they are. We could not identify. Some mallard ducks. All kinds of wildlife. I imagine if we were we went there in the early morning, we might have seen some other mammal type wildlife. But this is a it's just a very very large nature preserve that you can do a drive through tour of. So you take your car and you do a big loop, and there are uh, different overlooks.
1: Different that you overlooks. Different overlooks. raised in, areas. Yeah, and it was so great because a we could do that. We could get in the car. We could drive around, check it out with the kids. What I'm disappointed that we didn't get to do are some of the trails that go through that area. And they looked, the trails looked so beautiful and inviting. And we were just out of time.
0: Great place to take a mountain bike and and take a mountain bike down some of the trails. Take your dog to play with all kinds of stuff.
1: And that's another thing.
0: and, And nobody there.
1: Nobody there. But that's another thing, mountain bike, that we should mention about Bottomless Lakes is that they actually have a mountain bike trail mm-hmm. as you're coming into the park. So if that's something you really enjoy doing, they have there a designated spot for you to go out. And we saw a lot of people enjoying that trail. And it looked fun. Like we And, there, would- and,
0: and a few walking trails there as well. We went mm-hmm. on a couple different uh, walking trails at, the, at that park as well. And so, I think
1: if you enjoy running or walking, if that's sort of your form of exercise, this has been one of my favorite parks to to go running in because the views are just so beautiful as you're going down the trails through and around the campground.
0: So all in all, Roswell was a, a beautiful experience. You get to see, you know, mountains off in the distance, uh, lots of very different things to do, the sort of kitschy roadside attractions some good food, some beautiful nature.
1: And they have a few other things we didn't get to do. Mm-hmm. There's a free art museum in Roswell I that think we there's didn't There's two
0: free art museums. Is there there's, two? A, there's a there's an art museum and a contemporary art museum.
1: So while I think in everyone's minds you think Roswell Area 51, aliens, and all of that is super cool and fun and a great time to kind of submerge yourself in there's also a lot of really interesting things happening in roswell that have nothing to do with that and it's definitely worth more than just a stop through vacation time there like spend a few days and get to know the city and the surrounding area for sure
0: plus area 51 isn't actually there
1: no it's not it's really far away
0: this is how much we care about aliens is that uh, area 51 is in nevada
1: and you know what? Uh,
0: an entire state of Arizona between us, <laughs> yeah. and it, and we thought Area 51 had something to do with Roswell. It does not. There no, was the a landing. Roswell incident, yes, where there was a sighting or a crash of a spacecraft. Let's see, that's how much it I all got
1: happened out. here. The the <laughs> crash happened here, and a farmer discovered it here. All of the supposed cover up and and the taking of the. The spacecraft and the alien were all taken to Area Fifty One, gotcha. very very far away. One thing that we forgot to mention before we wrap this up and feed our kids dinner is the Spring River Zoo and Park yeah. that we went to. Yeah, yeah, I know. I just think we should. There's a there's a little
0: sh- free zoo. It's a little free park yeah. and zoo, and it's for free. It's great. It's, Absolutely. It's um, you know, if you get sad at rundown zoos.
1: Don't go to this one. I wouldn't one. go to
0: this one. It's a little run down. Um, I think they
1: do their best. They do their but best. But it's clearly yeah. a funding issue and perhaps it's not a zoo that should be in existence. But they do have animals there that are being cared for that are injured that cannot be returned to the yeah, wild.
0: A lot of them seem to yes. be Yes. The unfortunate thing to me was animals were coming up to us um, and and that means that people are feeding them.
1: Yeah, they were actively coming up to the fence some and some instances like going up on their hind legs up on top of the fence wanting something from us they knew as we approached that we were going to give them food which that is the first time I have ever been to a zoo and seen an animal actually like pay attention to me and we've been to a lot of zoos and I was surprised and I said to you these animals think we're going to give them food I cannot believe that these animals think we're going to give them food so
0: I, I think that happens when you have an open air free walk through zoo where yeah. anybody can
1: This is go true. in with
0: nobody at the gate. No, nobody. We, I don't think we saw a single employee.
1: No, I don't. I think maybe once I saw someone on a John Deere tractor.
0: Yeah. Like a maintenance employee. That's yeah. it.
1: But, you know, it's something that is offered in Roswell. It's free. They have a park that's attached to that. The has park a, was fun. The park was park fun. Was it fun. has a rocket ship, a big rocket ship slide that is like the main attraction there. And the kids loved it. But It was a little, I was a little torn at this Mm -hmm. particular zoo, how I felt when we left. Yeah. But other than that, Roswell's awesome.
0: All right. Let's wrap this podcast up with this week's brain teaser. What are the next three letters in the following sequence? J, F, M, A, M, J, J, A.
1: F. <laughs> no.
0: So I'll read that again. What are the next three letters in the following? Oh, three. Se- three letters. Oh, not even listening. One, two, three. The next three letters in the following sequence J, F, M, A, M, J, J, A. We'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast.
1: Yeah, so thanks for joining us this week. And if you are enjoying every podcast or just even a few podcasts and you want to share them with your family and friends, we would love that. We would also really appreciate a five-star review on iTunes. As we've said, it helps get us in front of more people. And if you have any sort of topic or question that you would like us to address, you can send us an email over at editor at rvmiles.com. And that is also where you can send your answer for this week's brain teaser.
0: Hey, and if you have a brain teaser that you think would be good for the show, you can send that over as oh, well.
1: Yeah, that would be awesome. So anyway, we will see you guys next week as we continue to come from New Mexico. But until then, keep logging those RV miles. Bye.